You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. Good morning and thank you for joining me for The Scoop with Tanya Flanagan. I'm so happy you decided to wake up and start your day with me. Here on The Scoop, where we talk about life, joy, funny moments, trending topics, and so much more. We promise to keep you in the know and find out what you know. So, let's get started. Good morning and welcome to another edition of The Scoop here on KUNV 91.5 Public Radio. Thank you for waking up early this Sunday morning and joining me once again for what I hope you will think and agree is a great conversation. I'm delighted to welcome to the studio this morning a good friend who I love and is dear to me, Wylanda Dickerson. She is a woman who wears many hats and is amazing and has given so much back to the community. Wylanda, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for waking up and getting your cup of coffee and, and sharing in this time with me. Um, as I mentioned, I adore you. I've always thought you were amazing. And so I'm happy to have you on the show to tell a little bit of your life story and all of the things that you do. You have an amazing nonprofit, Valley View Community Cares, and we've done some projects together over the years. But tell us a little bit about what Valley View Community Cares is and what your passion is and why you, who you are and why you do some of what you do. Thank you, Ms. Tanya. So Valley View Community Cares is a nonprofit organization that I created 22 years ago. This organization is really a unique organization. It started in my community, and it's actually still in my community because I was blessed with a community center about three years ago, which is literally behind my house. So what better community center to operate than something that's actually in the community and helping the people that you've grew up with and that are around you and you see that the need is um, a huge need for that in the community. So what we do is we offer a lot of programs. Um, we're real different from other nonprofits. We don't really have a criteria. If you need help and we have it and we can help you, then we're there. We're available. So we provide a lot of services to different children, mostly youth who are, as they would say, extremely at risk, which I think that's a population of almost all of our children in some fashion or form. Um, we work with girls that are victims of human trafficking, um, youth who are in gangs or associated with gangs, young ladies who contemplate suicide on a daily basis, homeless children, homeless seniors. We also deal with a uh, huge amount of people who are suffering from just mental illness, which is a big um, problem right now. It's always been a big problem. I think it's just being more noticeable and people are acknowledging this problem as of right now. So we just work with whoever needs help and whatever we can do in the community to help people to become self-sufficient and to empower people and let people know that there's different options, there are different choices, and how do we help you to move into that space that's available for you? That is a lot. It's a mouthful. And you said it so very well. And I know the community is inclusive of anyone anywhere in the Valley, but I still want to make sure um, people, it also has some boundaries while it doesn't have any boundaries. Because you talked about the community center that you were um, blessed to open about three years ago. So when we say community, that community center is sitting at the, basically at the corner of um Ingolstadt, which turns into D Street on one side and Lake Mead. So 
It's just a little bit down from what some people may be familiar with Nevada Partners Campus. And it's your community is Valley View, um, Valley View Estates. So that's Ingolstadt, Lake Mead, um, helped me to carry um, and kind of anchor by Losi on the east end, H on the west end, Lake Mead, and carry, and it's it's nestled right in there. So major cross streets for others, maybe like MLK, a little bit east of that intersection. But at the same time, it's the community as a whole. But it's walking distance or bike riding distance or just a short drive for anyone who's living in that radius um, of our of our city. And I just think that what you do is tremendous, and it is so selfless. You also work for. Clark County in another capacity. You do a lot of um, work and reach families and youth in the work that you do with Clark County. And before, as we move into the show a little bit later, I want to talk about um, your keynote. You were the keynote speaker for a program that's going to come up on this Friday, January 19th, over at Cambridge Community Center. And it's a girls' empowerment conference. And I want to talk a little bit about that, too, as we move into the show. But backing up and delving deeper into what you do and your life story, when someone finds themselves doing the type of give back community service work and it becomes your passion, something has inspired you to give like that. What was the turning point for you that brought you into 22 years is a long time um, that brought you into this space of service? Well, I believe that you, you're just born with that passion. It's, it's already, when you're born, that's already part of you. That, that's a part that's already taken over almost 90% of your heart. Um, I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot as a young girl, as a toddler, infant, whatever. I just think that my life was not, it could have been much better. I think that I could have been further than what I am now. I could have had better opportunities, but I really, I never had anybody that I actually saw that believed in me. I had a lot of people telling me what I was, but nobody really actually told me what I could become. So um, just um, a lot of trauma, a lot of PTSD. I thought I invented that word, but I found out that word was way before me. And, you know, been mentally, physically abused. And then I had a baby at 13. Then I had a baby at 15. Now I'm like going on 21 and I already have five children. Then I don't really, I didn't do that friendship thing any well. And then when I did befriend someone, that person actually killed the father of the children. So all of that was like trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. Then at one point in time, I became homeless. Then I became suicidal. So it, it was just, it was rough out there. I started selling drugs and then I was associated as a gang member and I, I started doing criminal activity because everybody had already told me all these things that I were. So I tried to play the part and fit the shoes the society had laid out for me to say, you are this, you are a menace. Um, you're going to die before you're 25. You're going to be homeless with all these babies. Somebody even put on me that I was going to have about 40 children at 40. And I really didn't know how to digest all of that information even as a kid but all I knew was if these people could see my future and see this is me then surely this is what I should become so I kind of just dove into that and just started trying to live those lifestyles because they played this thing out for me and then I just 
I don't know. I, my grandmother was a strong influence in my life. She talked to me. She told me about God. Um, and she one thing that she told me that always stuck with me, that she told me I was smart. And I really didn't know what that meant. And I was like, I don't think I'm smart. And I could read at the age of four. But the bad part about it was I can't remember one teacher through my whole kindergarten to 12th grade because nobody encouraged me. No teacher was there to influence me. And it was kind of rough because especially when I had a baby at 13, everybody checked out on me. All teachers said that I was unteachable. I haven't met a kid yet that's unteachable, but I was labeled as the most unteachable person. And it was like I didn't exist. So I felt like I was in this world taking up space, but I didn't exist. And I was like, you know what? I, I just need to to, to leave this world. So the suicide didn't even work. So then I, I, I just really had to talk with God and said, I, I got to have a better purpose than this. I got to have something that I'm walking for. And that's when it just got laid out like a blueprint, you know, and then I found out that I was here just to help children to understand that I can't tell you that I know what you've been through, but I walk with you, not in the same shoes, but my shoes is right next to yours. And we got the same pair. So I understand where you're coming from. And then I was like, well, I had five children. I didn't do too good with them. How am I going to do, do something with other people's children? And the more I talked to kids and the more I hung around other children, I was like, I got it. And they knew that I had it. So that just helped me. And before I knew it, there were children everywhere that I was talking to, I was mentoring to. And I was like, that's my purpose. There was my purpose. And then I just stride in it from here forward. Wow. You mentioned feeling like you didn't do well with your own children. Over the years, all the work that you've done with these kids in the community that you've touched, and I have had the privilege, and I have recruited people to experience the privilege of presenting. Um, you do a conference called SWEETS. Tell us what's, it's an acronym, but it stands for? Supportive Women Educating Power Training Sisters. Supportive Women Educating Empowering Training Sisters. Supportive yeah. Women Educating Empowering Training Sisters, which is a huge mouthful and concept of giving back one to the other. I've had the privilege of presenting and recruiting people to present at your suites conferences. And it's a room full of young women, young ladies ranging in age, um, about 40 or 50 girls that you usually bring together. And I went over to the Pearson Center, I remember, and I remember you doing this program and working to get limousines so that these kids from these inner city neighborhoods could have an experience that, unlike anything that they have ever had before. And the hard work that you put into getting community partners, stakeholders to partner with you to provide the kids this once in a, this once in a lifetime experience, whether it was the limousine ride or it was just, um, I remember also doing a presentation on foundations, um, presentation, undergarments, self-esteem, and um, how one dresses oneself and how you carry yourself. And it was just poetry. It was a day of so much giving and so many different layers and artistic creativity that was poured into the girls that you spent the time to put together. It is just really, truly powerful. Um, has any of all of that over the years as you've given back to the other kids also changed the way your relationships with your own children has evolved? I mean, has the, the payback been personal as well internally to your own family as well as what you're giving to the community? It has. It has. I have three three daughters. They're 
just wonderful daughters. They, they have their moments. Of course they do. And um, the Suites is such a family-oriented, community-oriented um, program. And what I, when I first developed Suites, I had women, there were women in the community who had touched my life and said, that's purpose. And I labeled these women as that's purpose. Tanya Flanagan, Asha Jones, Jocelyn, Miss Pasita, Miss Sharon. Um, it was just numbers of ladies, Miss Kathy Thompson Gibson, Miss Lisa Herbert. I'm telling you, there were women all over. And these women, once I touched them, Miss Sonia, I said, these women are purpose. And my whole idea in my mind and concept was to bring these women that I saw and that I tapped into who were my mentors, because I, I put all these women on a pedestal. These women are absolutely fabulous. And once I needed the young girls to see what I saw, which was purpose. So Sweets was all about bringing all those beautiful queens in one spot, gathering all these girls out of the community, bringing them in and to share them, to share with them my experience of purpose, powerful queens. And that's how Sweets came about. And I brought all my family members in that were female. Even some of my nephews came. I needed all women, all girls to see what a room full of princess and queen really looks like. And if I tell you that was purpose, it was purpose. So that just touched everybody everywhere, including my family. That is truly awesome. You know, to be honest with you, for as long as I've known you and as many times as I've seen you do sweets, I don't know if I ever really knew the reason behind why you were doing it. What I knew was Wilanda called me and asked me to do something. What I knew was Wilanda is genuine. I love Wilanda. If Wilanda needs something, the answer was always yes. And I believe one or two times, Asha Jones and I, who works with um, United States Congressman Stephen Horsford's office, we were on program together. And um, I remember going to an AKA meeting. It was Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I want to say it was October or November, we had a late breast cancer awareness recognition program at the meeting that day. But Sweets was going on over at Pearson and coming over to see what was going on. It was just always, if you needed something, whatever we could do. And you talk about these women being um, powerful, and each one of the women you named are amazing people. But we look back at you, it's like a mirror. Um. We served on the Urban League board together as well and did some work in the community there. And I remember just sitting one day looking at that board as it was assembled and thinking, wow, Wilanda's working on her Ph.D. And this person is, you know, in a different field and a doctor and an attorney. And it it makes me sit in awe of the dedication that you have. Um, the discipline, I think, is really the word the discipline that you have to face the things that may have been discouraging in life and to not allow them to be the final determinant of where your story ends and the continuation to rewrite and to write new chapters of your own story. Because you're working on a PhD right now. Here you are, a mother at 13, a mother at 15, another child at 21. By 21, I think you said you're at five. Suicide, homelessness, all these things have happened and it's it's very significant how as we're f growing up and we're forming the idea of who we are, the people around us, the adults, the teachers, have so much power to influence how we turn out, but the things that they say that do not create encouragement, that do not create a nurturing environment. But despite all these odds, you are working on a PhD. 
right now because that's the discipline that you have. I tip my hat to you. What is this PhD in again, Ms. Wylanda? It's a multicultural education at UNLV. Congratulate. I can't wait to go to your graduation I mean, or graduation party or whatever it is that you decide to do, depending on if they give you so many tickets and, you know, I don't get to go. But wherever the party is, wherever the celebration is, I want to be there. But I mean, that is when you looked up and said, now I'm going to do a Ph.D. I've done. How do you decide I've done this, this and this? When you go, I mean, I would assume next are you going to write a book at some point. No, Tanya, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not going to write a book. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And to be honest with you, I never really thought of, you know, elevation like that. In my whole life, once I passed all the little barriers, well, they wasn't little, the huge barriers mm-hmm. with still some in front of me that I passed. My biggest thing was if I was going to be out here and if I was going to talk to young people and if I was going to try to empower and if I was going to try to give young people another option, I, I first had to go through it myself. So I've been through a lot, but I figure with kids and the education being what it is, and I have a lot of young people who are dropping out of school. I have a lot of young people that have uneducated diplomas. These kids have diplomas and then there's nothing next after the diploma. So I figured then if I go to college with everything I've been through, barely could read and write, could, I mean, just, just a hot mess. I figured if I could get to the PhD level, I can give Young people hope to say, baby, if I went to college, you could ride through that thing with wings on. So that was the whole just transformation in me even going to college and getting up to the Ph.D. level, not for Wilanda, but to show the young people that I talk to, it very well can be done. Because if I can do it, anybody can do can do it. That's it. So that was the whole reason in going that to that level. <laughs> it's 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 like your motivation is it's it's for yourself, but it's really for others. It's all part of this passion and this purpose to give back. And I, I guess I really understand it because I mean I hold a master's, but I went through that program and I cannot say that I hold the discipline right now to say I'm going to go to school and, and do a PhD. I mean, maybe at some point maybe I would have considered doing going to law school, but It is my, you are like a ball of energy. When I tell you people, I have never seen anyone who can run a race the way you run a race. And I know we all feel like our plates are full and we're juggling and we do all these things, but you are just the cutest, most adorable thing. And you are just busy, like Energizer Bunny, busy and constantly creative with new ideas of ways to help other people and to give back. Do you get a lot of volunteers? Can people volunteer to help you um, if they're interested in, in, in presenting at the community center or doing a program? Is it, because um, it's also kind of like a multi, a diverse use space where people who might have a program that they're trying to present and they don't have anywhere to do it. You partner with people on things like that. Can I volunteer? How do, do people volunteer? How can they volunteer? How does one, how, how do people find you? Well, um, I, I can give my address of the center again. Um, so uh, the volunteering is if I do a program, if I do a program, if I'm feeding the community, if I'm putting socks and hygiene baskets together for the homeless, that I welcome help. Any help is welcome for that. Um, I don't get a lot of volunteers in the program essentially because a lot of my 
programming and a lot of my outreach is one on one. I'm I'm getting in contact or I'm meeting youth who got some severe some severe things going on. And that has to be a one-on-one because first thing with this generation, it's not a tell me generation, it's a show me generation. And they know right up front if you ain't keeping it real. So it has to be one-on-one. And what I do is I try to work with them and get them to level so they can go to another program that'll be beneficial because that program wouldn't accept them for where they were at. It wouldn't meet them where they were at. And I'll meet you where you're at just to make sure that I can get you to go a little further, and now you're able to be a part of this other program. So the volunteering is, like I said, mostly with the programs and the feeding and the hygiene. And um, I can give my phone number because I believe everybody in America has it. It's 702-480-6421. And the location of my center is 600 Westlake Mead Suite 110. So do you take referrals from like um, counselors at the high schools or do, do people refer kids to you? Is that part of how you Every find the way. kids? Okay. Yes. And I don't okay. find them. Um, I get kids from Summerlin. I get kids from all over and people are really amazed about that because they were like, now, how did you get that kid? And really, I don't even promote and I don't look for kids. Um, that Google and that Internet, that social media is a beast. So the the way that I started getting a lot of kids was kids was just telling other kids, you got a problem? You're 13 and you're pregnant, you're in a gang, um, you're homeless, you need a coat, you need you need some food, call Ms. Wilanda. So it's like everybody has my number, right? I'm mm-hmm. like, it has to be posted somewhere. And like I know that people do it because I do it. Whenever someone says to me, do you have a program that I can make donations to? I always say Valley View Community Cares because I know that so many people or families are turning to you for help. Women are turning to you to be clothed when they have a job interview or just because they don't have anything. Maybe the kids need school clothes or the family just needs supplies. So whenever I have stuff or someone asks me, where can I make a donation? I have some clothing. I have whatever these items may be. I absolutely always recommend that they contact you and give, you know, donate them through your program because I know that the work that you do and I know that you're selfless and I know that you put yourself last. And so it's a way to help you continue to do the work and outreach that you are doing. So I give everything and I make all all my referrals for people who want to do that. I give, I send them to you. Um, Thank you. You are, your story is amazing. Um, the journey that you have taken, how you have walked through the coals of fire and turned your life around, but you're going to be talking about some aspects of, I guess maybe your life or what you see trending with our young people during a girls empowerment conference that's happening Friday, January 19th at Cambridge Community Center um, over near Cambridge and Flamingo. And you are the keynote, you're the guest speaker. What can people expect from this experience with you? Well, hopefully the young people (laughs) and maybe others. Um, I am the keynote speaker and I'm going to literally tap into what the program is called, which is Step Up. So I am just going to make sure that I, before I leave that room, I'm going to make sure that girls understand that to step up, that you would have to, um, that's movement. There is some type of movement in stepping up. And once you step up, how we do not go backwards, but once we step up, how we move into another position, another direction, and how we see ourselves differently, because now we're stepping up. We're stepping up in our faith, in our beauty, in our walk, in our talk, in our goals, in our success. What are we stepping up to? So I'm just going to make sure that they understand the step up is going to be a good up, not a bad up. 
I like that. I invite anyone who's listening, anyone who is interested and intrigued by Walanda's story and you want to know more, or maybe you would like to meet her, you know a family or a child that is struggling with some challenges and you're looking for a great space for them to be encouraged and to be mentored, meet me at Cambridge um, Community Center. Check-in is at 5 p.m. on Friday. And the program begins at six. It's a two hour program, the way it's listed on the flyer that was advertising it. I'm not sure exactly what time Wilanda will come up to talk to the young people, but I will be there in the audience to hear everything that you have to say. I'm excited about it. Do you have any social media handles where people can follow you or anything like that? You know, I don't. I just have not uh, found out any 24 in hours a day. <laughs> so that's the how one thing is you, your discipline. How did you have to be on social Okay, well, I will commit to making sure you show up on social media so people can find you and they can track you and they can read about these success stories. I think you're, I think that is, this is the moment in 2024 where you realize that perhaps this work you're doing is time to be exponential and become nationwide because on a platform where you can be found from anywhere. So as a long time friend, cause I've known you, Oh God, what 20 years or more? Yes. Yes. 20 plus 20 plus years. One of the people that I consider a true friend in the sense that we don't have to talk every day. We don't see each other all the time. But if I call you, I know you will be there. And if you call me, you know I will be there. And it's like we picked up like I just saw you yesterday and no time has passed. And we've not missed a Right. And I think that is one of the true measures of friendship. And in 2024, as we've been through so much with pandemics and loss over the last few years, those types of relationships become so invaluable. So I want to say to you, I truly appreciate the friendship that you have afforded me over the years, um, the inspiration, the opportunity to be a part of what you do that makes a difference in the community. Thank you for that. Thank you for all the sacrifice that you make to help our children, to help families. It's truly appreciated. Um, I just... I don't know. I guess one of my questions is now that you are where you are, if you were looking back and writing a letter to your young self, knowing what you know, everything that you've been through, what would you say to, to the young you? Because there's somebody out mm. there who is the young you now. But what would you say? I probably would have the conversation with a younger me, and I probably would say, um, I wish you were just a little more stronger. I wish you would not have let everybody influence you to be something that you were not created to be. You were smart. You were smart from the beginning. Your grandmama told you you were smart. You pursued a lot of different things. You were very creative, very creative. And I just wish you would have just, I don't know, just been a little stronger, a little more voice, because every I was very quiet. I was very shy. My self-esteem was very low, and that self-esteem was low all the way up until 48. So I would have just probably told myself, we got to figure out how to pull that self-esteem up, Walanda, because you could move in better directions at a faster pace. That's probably the conversation I would have had with myself. That is truly powerful, because the willingness to be honest and say it was low until 48. Those moments when, I don't care when the revelation comes, when you look in the mirror and you're honest with yourself about something that has been 
um, a handicap, in some way it's crippling you, and you're honest enough to look in the mirror, face it, and be able to overcome it and overpower it, that's um, that's huge. So I know what you, it's like I, I always talk about a prayer closet, going in the prayer closet, getting into that space where in the most naked sense, you are super honest with yourself in that conversation with God that you're able to address it and then release it to find your power to overcome it. Thank you for sharing that. We are into the final couple of minutes of the show. So I want to say thank you again. And if there's anything else you want to say to the listening audience before we sign off. Well, I just want to thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. You've known for a long time that you have been my mentor. And I have looked up to you because you are truly just, you're beautiful, you're smart, you're intelligent. And I was just trying to just grab onto one of them nuggets of yours and just hold on to it. And I think I, I kind of did that. Um, I couldn't I couldn't really duplicate you, but I was but I tried. I just wanted you to know that. But I I thank you for the opportunity because um all that I do it's definitely because of God, but it's not for me. It's definitely for the generation that's coming up now because more than ever they need it. They they need a little more than just a talk you know they they need support they need help um they're smarter but they're definitely not stronger they do i love you thank you for being on thank you for everything you. you said we hope to see you this friday january 19th cambridge community center doors open at five programs from six to eight while Londa dickerson Bellevue community cares an awesome community hero have a great week everyone bye for now bye-bye I want to thank you for tuning in to The Scoop with me, Tanya Flanagan. And I want to invite you to get social with me. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. My name is my handle, T-A-N-Y-A-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N. You can also find me on Instagram at Tanya Almanize Flanagan. And if you have a thought, an opinion, or a suggestion, don't hesitate to shoot me an email to tanya.flanagan at unlv.edu. Thanks again for joining in. Stay safe and have a great week.